Good morning. Today is the, what day? Today is the 25th of October. I'm tagging this teaching because in the future, you will know it's recorded on 25th of October, 2021. We've been dealing with the book of Daniel. And it's kind of a futuristic, prophetic, looks at the world from the end times point of view. And we're in chapter 7. By the way, the first beginning of the book, it's done in Hebrew. The last part of the book in Hebrew, the middle is Aramaic. And most of it in Aramaic is the language of the people. Aramaic is the, is the, the language of the people in, 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 in Palestine, Jerusalem uh, in those days. And so, uh, chapter 7 begins uh, this way. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon. Now, Belshazzar was the son of Nebuchadnezzar. And, uh, and uh, in the beginning of this book, Daniel has dreams. that He interprets dreams that other people had. So, the interpretation really uh, is his job on chapter 1 through 6 and through 7. But on chapter 7, he has dreams. So, there's a difference. Dreams from somebody else like, like Nebuchadnezzar, Belchizedek. But from now on, he's in the first person. It's him having dreams. And the Bible says on chapter 1, chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. So, another point of, 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 of to get together here. Do you remember in Sunday, high school, in Sunday school, we studied uh, the idea of uh, the lion's den? Remember that? In, in Sunday school, every, every child remembers that Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. Well, it happens, this, this interpretation uh, of this dream that God gave was 14 years uh, after his experience in the lion's den, which occurred around 539. When the dream came to Daniel, he was about 68 years of age, for he was taken captive at the age of 16, and the year is 605 before Christ. So the revelation to Daniel is given through a dream and a vision, through a vision. Meaning, he dreamed he was seeing a vision. And as we study <coughs> dreams and how to interpret it, and of course, uh, speaking of different types of dreams, uh, you can go into the prophetic teaching. There are seven teachings on this uh, channel that deals with interpreting dreams in, in, in explaining the type of dream that you are uh, having and how to interpret it. So, uh, that's food for thought. Now, the dream refers to him being asleep. And the vision refers to what he saw while he was dreaming. Sometimes, however, a person could have a vision while he was awake because of the significance of Daniel's dream here he woke up and wrote it down. So it's kind of interesting that Daniel is his head upon the pillow. He begins to dream. And suddenly a vision comes in the dream. These days, I have a lot of dreams. You know, now and then I dream with a, having a big steak and I'm eating in the restaurant. And, the, and somebody comes and pays the, pays, the, 
pays the bill. That's a big dream right there. <laughs> so, so Daniel had been the interpreter of two dreams from Nebuchadnezzar, chapter 2 and 4. And then Daniel, the prophet, becomes the recipient of four visions, chapter 7, chapter 8, uh, chapter 9, and chapter 10. So it's good to see the difference here. Uh, in chapter 2 and 4, he interprets someone else's dream. But now, he's going to have a revelation and a dream to himself, which personalizes uh, how God deals with us. See, you probably say, well, that's, that's kind of uh, interesting, but uh, does it ha- what, what it has to do with me is that God can speak to you through a dream or a vision. And there are millions of people who God speaks to you. One of them popular uh, is a lady called uh, Beverly Varnado. And now and then Beverly, uh, and, uh, and, uh, where I attend church with, uh, with Jerry being the pastor, Jerry Varnado being the pastor, uh, Beverly talks about her dreams and what they mean. And so it's good to sort of uh, personalize this because nothing, nothing wrong here, nothing different, nothing Pentecostal, nothing charismatic. That's the way God does things. Okay? Now, also something. In the first six chapters, Daniel wrote in the, thir- in the third person. But in the last six chapters, the end of the book, he writes in the first person because the dream is to him. And so in his vision, Daniel first saw a great sea agitated by actions of four winds from the four corners of the earth, east and west, north and south. And he saw the sea just raging. Now you probably say, Rick, but uh, that's just a little weird. You know, that's a little odd. Why would he have a dream like that? And can you tell where did he come from? Well, after you study these scriptures, you come to the conclusion that uh, God was talking to Daniel. And so if God wants to do and show Daniel something that way, so it, it, you're supposed not to question or like or dislike. Accept the idea that God is, is informing a prophet. And he, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to raise questions of unbelief. I believe God can give dreams. And, I, have, I, have, I have many dreams and visions in my life. And so I'm not going to argue the Scriptures and sort of become liberal in order to question and have a good conversation all boring on doubt. I'm not going to do that. The word translated winds over here is also rendered spirits, that is angels. Elsewhere in the Scripture, this word is used to refer to God's providential action in the affairs of men and women and the world through angels. In the presence of God, there are many angels. So, look at uh, Jeremiah twenty-three nineteen. another prophet. It says, Behold, the whirlwind of the Lord is going forth in fury, even a grievous whirlwind. So God, during Pentecost chapter 2, the wind came. And it wasn't the wind per se, but it was a mighty roaring wind that uh, didn't destroy anything. The noise of it was overwhelming. So Jeremiah says, Behold, listen, look, observe. I'm going to tell you something important. The whirlwind of the Lord is going forth in fury. Upon Elan I will bring the four winds from the four quarters of heaven. I will scatter them toward all those winds, and there shall be no nation 
whither the, the outcasts of Elon shall not come. Jeremiah 49, 36. So God expresses the four winds as His angels are doing something. Okay? After all these things, uh, in Revelation 7, 1 to 3, I'm trying to prove my point here and tell you that God sees winds as His angels. Okay? That's what I'm trying to do. Look at Revelation 7. And after these things, I saw four angels standing on the four corners of the earth. This is John, the apostle of Jesus, John, holding the four winds of the earth. And the wind should not blow on the earth, nor on the sea, nor on any tree. And I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried out in a loud voice to the four angels, to whom it was given to hurt the earth in the sea. That's Revelation 7, 1 to 3. So the word uh, in, dreams and visions connected to wind. Look at uh, Jeremiah 4, 7. The second thing Daniel saw uh, in the vision was, well, uh, that's, not, that's not Jeremiah 4, 7. Let me read Jeremiah 4, 7. Uh, Sorry, folks, it's, it's just a age creeping on me. <laughs> okay, now let's move on then into, into uh, Revelations, uh, Daniel chapter 7, verses 3 and 4. Okay, the second thing Daniel saw, he saw the wind in the sea just bubbling, white foam everywhere, large, uh, uh, 20, 30 feet high, uh, uh, Waves. He saw four great beasts coming out of the agitated sea. Four. One, two, three, four. Out of the water. And as explained to Daniel later, the four beasts represented four kingdoms. But he named each beast. One was the lion, the other one, which symbolizes strength and power. The other one was an eagle, wings, because of its speed. And, uh, uh, and so, the violent wrenching, wrenching of the wings from the lion was because of the mobility. This could refer to Nebuchadnezzar's insanity uh, as, or to his empire deterioration after his death. The lion rising up on two feet, its hind legs. It looked more like a man. The fact is that it got to a man's heart, suggesting that the animal lost its beastly nature and showed compassion. The lion's rising on its hand, hind legs and having a man's heart may refer to Nebuchadnezzar's uh, human interests and his ability to govern and to deal with it. Then the second beast is like the bear. So when you go into when you go into the first one, it's a lion. The second is a, it's a, a bear. Fordable strength. First Samuel seventeen thirty four uh, speaks about that. Then David said to Saul, "Listen to this. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear comes and carry you off uh, a sheep from the flock, I went after it and struck it." And, and, and rescue the sheep from its mouth. That's David talking. And so, in the Bible, it presents these two animals 
as powerful animals. Now, in the spirit represents the Medo-Persian Empire, followed by that follow Babylon. So you have Babylon, you have the Medo-Persian Empire, and you have uh, uh, the Greece Empire, and then you have the Great Beast. And so he saw four. And uh, you're going to see a lot of things when it comes to these four creatures. The question is, what is God trying to say to Daniel on this dream, this revelation? He's trying to tell him that there will be a time when four nations and four systems will rule the world. First, the Babylonian Empire. Second, the, the Medo-Persian Empire. The third, the Greek, Greek uh, Empire. And then, of course, Rome, which is uh, the last one. And he's saying out of those four beasts, he compares them to an animal. And it's interesting to see that as you follow the comparison, he begins then building on what he told Nebuchadnezzar, because the dream of the four parts of the statue was uh, uh, four clear statues representing four kingdoms. And of course now he sees the sea and four beasts coming out out of the sea. And you, have, you begin to personalize uh, that. The bear devours the flesh. And of course, uh, 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 the lion is a powerful lion, and so on and so forth. Now, the third beast then, then you saw was a leopard. So you have the, uh, the, the lion, then you have the bear, then you have the leopard, and these are three, three, three heads. And the fourth, I'll, I'll show you in a minute. The third beast then you saw was a leopard, noted for sweetness, cunning, agility. Look at Hosea. 13.7 So I will be like a lion to them, like a leopard. I will lurk by the path, like a bear rob her cubs. I will attack them and rip them open, like a lion will devour them. A wild animal will tear it apart. That's a Hosea 13.7 And so, God in His revelation to the animals, He is building an understanding of the personality of of each creature. First was a statue. Now representing four kingdoms that will come upon the earth. And now he is referring to them as animals in its qualities. This beast had four wings like a bird stretching swiftness beyond its natural capacity. And an additional feature of this beast is that it had four heads. So you deal now with a fourth uh, uh, Animal. All authority to rule was given it. The kingdom that conquered Medo-Persian was the Greek Empire, which did a, a tremendous job during Alexander the Great between 334 and 330. And so, uh, let's move on then. I want to, I want to stop a little bit. You have four beasts: the lion, then what? The bear. The leopard. Now we're going to go to the fourth beast. Because you know he saw coming out of the water four beasts. So I've explained them to you up to now. But I haven't explained the fourth beast. Here we go. This fourth beast 
was the most terrifying and powerful than the three preceding beasts. This beast had large iron teeth which uh, was able to crush and devour its prey. The empire represented by this mongrel beast had crushed and assimilated itself into three previous empires described by the lion, the bear, and the leopard. But it trampled on all of it, all of three. Meaning, the fourth beast was much more powerful than the first one. What he's saying is, the Roman Empire was much more powerful than the, than, than the Babylonian Empire, than the Middle Persian Empire, and then the Grecian Empire. The fourth was greater. Now, he's concentrating now into something in the mind of Daniel referring to the future. You probably say, Rick, but how, how, what is it important? Why God showed Daniel this vision? What does it mean to us? You have to wait because as a Christian, you are going to be convicted when you see the Son of Man showing up and devouring and destroying these beasts. But when you look at this fourth beast, it had ten horns. So, usually a beast have one horn here and one horn there, right? When you look at a, a, any, even a deer, it would have two, two horns, right? One sticking out this way, like a twelve-point deer. But this beast had ten horns. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Sticking out. Now, it did represent ten kingdoms. As Daniel focused his attention on the horns... He saw another horn being emerged from the tent. He saw another horn being, being merged from, from the tent. So he saw the tent and suddenly, suddenly he saw a little one coming out, out of the tent. Let's say there are ten, ten fingers here or ten horns right here. And suddenly a little finger began to show a little horn coming out of one of the one of the horns. The little horn had the insignificant beginning, but it's but in its growth it was able to uproot three of the existing horns. This little horn was noted for intelligence, had the eyes of a man, and blasphemous claim he had a mouth that spoke boastfully. So for some reason God is beginning to reveal to Daniel that the last horn had, which is the, 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 the Roman Empire, the, the, the four beasts. Out of the fourth beast came ten horns. Out of the fourth beast, one, one, two, three, four, it came. A stronger beast in the beginning, it was a small one, but it grew in, in, in its proportion. Okay, it began to develop. So the whole thing here is on the fourth beast, it carries ten nations with it. But out of the fall comes out something that really impressed Daniel and impressed the Lord. God is revealing something. In this portion of vision, Daniel saw thrones of judgment being set up in heaven. Thrones, meaning more than one. One throne is occupied 
by the Ancient of Days. This is the sovereign God in that throne. Suddenly, as he sees the little horn, the throne shows up. Now, is that important? Well, it is important because Isaiah 43.13 says, Yes, yes, and from ancient days I am. No one can deliver you, deliver out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? It doesn't mean that God can't change his mind about things. Zechariah was supposed to, to die, and God changed the, the dial so he could live 15 more years. It simply means that in this sense, speaking toward the future, speaking toward what is to come, and what Daniel saw, he saw a little horn coming out of the one of the in the fourth horn. Fourth horn had fourth the fourth beast had ten horns, and out of one of them a little a little a little a little horn began to grow. And he's telling Daniel that that means something very important. Uh, here's here's uh, Revelations one fourteen. Who exercises control over men and nations? His white clothing and his hair speaks of his holiness. So Daniel's description of the glory surrounding uh, the one on the throne was flaming throne with wheels recalls the description of the glory of God in Ezekiel. If you read Ezekiel chapter 1, you're going to see the glory of the Lord in these wheels that are turning and the whirlwind moving and power and glory. He had an unbelievable vision. <coughs> now, what I want to tell you is that the description of the throne of God is is why well, I want you to look at it right now. Forget about the, the fourth beast with the ten horns and the little horn coming out. Now listen to this. The thousands that surrounded the throne of God, as Daniel saw, were God's servant, angels that execute the will of God. The Bible says in Daniel 7.10, there are myriads upon myriads of angels, a hundred million angels at any time in the presence of God on heaven right now. When Daniel saw God, the judge, take his seat on the court, Daniel 7, 26, and was convened, the books were open. Daniel's name, by the way, is God has judged, or God is my judge. That's what Daniel means. So here, Daniel saw God as the world's judge. Notice that after the little horn shows up and begins to be strong and, and, and ate all those kingdoms, those ten kingdoms that, re, that, that represented, uh, uh, you see the throne of God. You see the angels of God. Now, is that impressive? That's impressive. Because the Bible says, I give an angel in charge over you. Meaning, every one of you have an angel around you, protecting, watching over you, delivering you, strengthening you, and, 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 and blessing you, and protecting you. Mm. Let's, read, uh, let's read this scripture. Yes, from the end of days I am He. No one can deliver you out of my hand. When I act, who can reverse it? And so, uh, as I looked, here's Daniel 7, verses 9 and 10 and 11. Then, as I looked, Look at the throne. I, uh, the angel of days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. The hair of his head was white like wool. 
His throne was flaming with fire. And its wheels were ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out of the out of before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were open. So I want you to have the image that Daniel saw. Because, you know, he's bothered him talking about going to sleep and, and a four beasts coming out of the sea. And they're ugly. All four of them are ugly, terrible looking. Especially the fourth one. And that little horn coming out of the ten horns. The ten, you know, this is, oh God. I'm, and suddenly the throne of God. I feel good, don't you? When you look at those beasts, you get tired of looking at them. But when you look at the throne of God in the angels standing before the Lord, it gives you a sense of hope. Oh, hallelujah, praise the name of Jesus. I've got some angels around my God, and His angels charge over me. Then I continue to watch. That's Daniel. Because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. Now that's the horn. That's the Antichrist. You know, in other words, God is showing His glory and He began to brag. God is saving, delivering, uh, anointing, strengthening. <laughs> and the little horn keeps on talking. I kept looking until the beast was slain, and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. While the beast boastfully talked, God judged the beast. All the other beasts, the three ones, you know, the lion... Uh, uh, the the bear and the leopard, they were not destroyed. They were allowed to live for a, for a period of time. But the beast, the fourth beast is totally... De- what I want you to take out of the teaching today is that Satan is already judged. He will be judged again. Antichrist will be judged in the end times. You're talking to a lion that has no teeth. You're talking to a bear who don't stand up and has no teeth whatsoever, and no paws whatsoever. You know, I saw saw an old movie about an animal that was eating all the the farmers and destroying all the property. And and, uh, and they they, they send uh, all kinds of people looking for it. They couldn't find nothing. And finally they found an old cabin where an old man was living. And he said, what you're looking for is a bear. The fire destroyed this forest and it burns the paws of the bear. Destroyed the face of the bear. And so the bear was uh, not able to do nothing. had no power except uh, kill by, by healing, by touching. Well, this bear that we're talking about on the Bible here, that Daniel saw this vision, uh, was, kept, was allowed to live but had no power. Satan has no power. Satan has no ability whatsoever uh, to destroy what God has blessed. So, so he's saying, in, in my vision at night, I looked and there before me was a, like a, a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. Now, look, he saw the throne, several thrones, and now suddenly he saw the son of man. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. Who led Jesus into God, His Father? The angels. I can see that. I can see all the thrones and God sitting on a throne with a beautiful hair, white, and a loving face. And suddenly the angels bring out of the distance another person. It was the Son of Man. 
He was given authority and glory and sovereign power. All nations and peoples of every language worship Him. His dominion is everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. We're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about Jesus coming in the presence of God, establishing His authority over the face of the earth. Now, I want to tell you something before I finish today. I want you to look and I want you to sort of uh, visualize this. A beautiful throne in heaven. Several thrones behind. Small thrones. But this one is the largest one. And sitting on it is God Almighty. The angels are filling the skies like in the billions and billions and trillions of angels. All of them standing to attention. All of them looking to the throne. And suddenly Jesus comes from behind the throne. Coming with the clouds of heaven. You know, it's kind of interesting. I mean, I love to see it. Jesus coming in the clouds, you know. On the, second, on, the se- on the rapture day, the second coming, He'll come. He will not touch the earth, according to Thessalonians chapter 2. But He will stand in the presence uh, of the world. And every nation will see Jesus standing in power and glory. And He will be surrounded by millions of angels. His dominion is everlasting dominion that will not pass away. His kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Those four four kingdoms are then totally destroyed. The beast, the Antichrist is crushed and, and warped out. But the kingdom of God will never be destroyed. Now what kingdom are we talking about? For God so loved the world he sent His only begotten Son, for whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm talking about the, the place to where you can stand firm and know that He died on the cross for you, that He rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and one of these days you'll come down in the clouds of glory, and you will come out of the grave and meet Him in the air. That's the kingdom that I am part of it. I hope that you will be continue to believe in this in the midst of the storm and the problems and, and the agitated sea and all these beasts coming to try to destroy the world. God will judge them properly, especially the fourth one. And those ten nations then become our study for tomorrow. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you'll be blessed that the Lord just lift you up and encourage today that Jesus will overcome all all that the, the Antichrist will do. Amen? He is given authority, glory, and sovereign power. God bless you.